We're concluding our series, but certainly not concluding this emphasis. We're concluding our series today called Let Us Pray. Everyone say, Let Us Pray. And I pray that these last about 40 days, that as we've been going through Let Us Pray, that something on the inside of you has been stirred. I know it has been with me uh, that, uh, uh, that I've been praying more. I sense myself praying throughout the day. You know, Paul the Apostle said, pray without ceasing. And so I've been praying more, not, not where I should be. I, I, I felt, in fact, yesterday it was kind of a busy, different kind of day. And I had to kind of apologize to the Lord. I didn't sense that I had really spent quality time with Him. I think He understands. But I certainly want uh, to, for my prayer life to grow. And I've seen a difference in my life since we began. Let us pray. Our keynote verse is Second Chronicles 7.14. I want us all to read it together. This should be a memory verse for us. If you haven't got it memorized, you should take a picture of it and just set this to memory or look it up and memorize it. I want everyone, in fact, I, how many of you are feeling comfortable right now in your chair? You're feeling comfortable? I want to make you feel uncomfortable one more time. Let's stand together and read this together. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Here we go. Everyone together. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Father, I pray today that we as the people of God would hear the, the clarion call of this passage and we would truly humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. And we know that when we do, you'll hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Let us pray basically is a 40 day. It was basically between Mother's Day and Father's Day, a 40 day churchwide campaign to radically revolutionize our relationship with God at the place of prayer. Let me just stop and tell you that if you began to heat up at the prayer closet, you began to really pray and, and began to seek God. You know, sometimes prayer is the last thing we do. You know, we, after when all else fails, let us pray. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll learn to just, hey, let us pray. When, when trouble comes, when, when sorrow comes, you know, I, I just had this flashback of the moment. I can take it to the moment and the place where I got the phone call that, that told me that my father was tragically killed in a plane crash. I'm telling you, that was the trauma of my days. I can't think of another day uh, that was uh, any more traumatic than that day in my, my life personally. The first thing I did, because I've been raised in an atmosphere of prayer, the first thing I did, my wife was actually in the hospital. She was dehydrated uh, with, uh, was it, with Lara Beth, and she was just shriveling up. She was in the hospital, and so my wife's in the hospital, and I run to my bedroom. And I fall on my knees and I cry out to God and I realize that day that prayer has the capacity to carry us through any circumstance. Everybody say, let us pray. Woo! Man, we have access to the Father. Do you understand what I'm telling you today? It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you'll just get a hold of this reality, let us pray and begin to pray. It will radically revolutionize your relationship with God. That's what our goal is. And not just to get people praying, but see people transformed by the power of prayer. Now, kind of what sparked this is uh, we found an illustration in Acts chapter 4 uh, where the first century church came to a defining moment. 
the first century church came to a defining moment when the religious leaders of the day uh, threatened them and said, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And when they got that threat, when they came under pressure, it was a defining moment. Are we going to press forward through the process? Or are we going to draw back? And they, pr- they went to the place of prayer. It says when, when these threats came upon them, they said, we've got to get together and let us pray. Everybody say, let us pray. And it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. In other words, they didn't let the threats and the pressure moment, the defi- it was a defining moment. And we find ourselves as a church family in a defining moment. This is, we're about to celebrate our 20 year anniversary. How many of you thank God for 20 years of successful ministry here at the church? Uh, the last Sunday of August, we'll celebrate that somehow, some way. But we are in the middle of a defining moment. We're at a place where we must press forward. And ha- depending on how we respond or how we react determines our future. And so we're in the middle of a defining moment. And so because of that, we are pressed just like the first century church to the place of prayer. You see, let us pray has not just been another sermon series. For me, it's been revolutionary. To me, it's what we do in the, in the, in the midst of a defining moment where we're at a pl- pr- place where we must press forward. We can't stay the same. We can't uh, move back. We must press forward. Somebody say press forward. And out of that prayer time, and as I began to pray, God began to lay upon me uh, four church-wide focal points of corporate prayer that we have uh, developed. In fact, they're becoming our vision statement. Quickly, I want to go through them again because many of you may have been out and missed some of them. The first one is that we're praying, and we need to continue to pray over these. Not just uh, you know, it, it, you know, the forty-day uh, uh, emphasis is over, but we need to continue to pray. Number one, for a renewed commitment to gather together. Everybody say we're better together. And we need to come together. You see the first century church, they began to come together. Uh, uh, and that's not a Beatles song. I'm telling you that the church, ha- you know, the Beatles have nothing uh, on, on the church. They came together. They, they met together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They ate together. Look at somebody this morning and say we're better together. Tragically though, in a culture we live in, There is a watering down of the commitment to gather together as the house of God. Today, statistically across America, in in every evangelical church, the average attendance is a 50% hit and miss kind of thing. The the average member of any given church is only there 50% or less. It used to be 80% back in the 80s, and now it's 50%. So the challenges are greater than ever before. And we need a renewed commitment to gather together. Amen. Everybody say we're better together. The next thing we pray over and we should continue to pray over is a renewed commitment to grow together. We're growing people, grow people. That's why we come together to grow. That's why we study our Bible is to grow. That's why we, we meditate and pray and seek God to grow. Uh, and so we, we need to grow together and grow spiritually. We've got our life groups on Wednesday night and beginning the 10th of July, we're going to have our Sunday circles where we'll gather together from 930. Is it 930? Did I get that? 
that right? 9.30 for about 45 minutes, gathered around the table with a donut and a cup of coffee, looking at each other and growing together. We need a renewed commitment. And oh, it's amazing to me. We've been so nice and easy on you guys. You know, back when I went to, uh, as a kid, we had Sunday school, we had church, and then at about six o'clock on Sunday afternoon, we had training union. Man, we had church all day. How many remember church all day? Woo! Man, I, when I became a pastor, I said, I don't want to have church all day, and I'm the pastor. Uh, and so, but, but now we've got a little easy on you. And some of you, the 9.30 on Sunday morning, OMG, I don't know if I could ever make it for that. Uh, I don't get that. Uh, and so we just need a renewed commitment to gather and to grow. And then last Sunday, we talked about uh, praying over renewed commitment to give. How many of you know the scripture said, Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. He was talking about our resources. Did you know Jesus talked more about our resources and how we handle our money more than he did heaven and hell combined? I wonder why. I think I know why. Because he knows if we're faithful over the little things, he can give us much. And and he's given that as a test for us. In fact, Malachi 3.10 says, Prove me now herewith, says the Lord. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now, says the Lord. That's the only place I can find in Scripture where God says, prove me, when it comes to being a faithful giver. And we need, to re- we, we need a renewed commitment to give, not only of our time and of our, tr- our talent, but of the treasure of our, of our bank account. And my, my goal and my heart, in fact, Beverly, this, Beverly and I this past year have repositioned ourselves so we can give more than we've ever given before. And we're beginning to be able to do that. And so we need to understand that in these last days we need a renewed commitment to gather in fact did you know the scripture says that uh, that forsake not the assembling of ourselves together so much more as you see that day approaching we need a renewed commitment to grow together we need to be more spiritual today for tomorrow's challenges and we need to be able to give more than we've ever given before and finally this morning we need to pray for a renewed commitment to go together we need to go into all the world and make disciples just like uh, the Great Commission says. In fact, we're called to grow. In fact, we've developed this, what I'm beginning to realize may be a new vision statement for Church on the Rock North. We're saying it this way. Let's all say it together this way. Here it is, all lumped together in one simple phrase. Here we go, everyone out loud. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. Now, we have that calling, but what we're praying is for a commitment to gather and a commitment to grow and a commitment to give and a commitment to go. And I want to ask you today, I want to go right, you know, every salesman, and I'm not a salesman, I'm a pastor, but every salesman knows there's got to come a place where you got to do the big ask. You got to, when you throw out the bait, you got to reel it in. You got to set the hook. You got to, and let me just ask you, are you, are, are you committed to this? Are you ready to be all in? Are you ready to just say, man, I'm, I'm committed to the local church. I realize in these last days, we need each other. We're better together. And I need the church more today than ever before. And I'm going to commit myself to gather. I'm going to commit my family to grow spiritually. I'm going to be committed to give financially and give uh, in every way in my life. And I'm going to be committed. Thank you so much, Robert. Did you see the need? You saw the need. What a, what a servant. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, we're called to go. 
In fact, the reason we gather, grow, and give is because of the Great Commission. Everyone say, we're called to go. In fact, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission. Let's read it together. Well, we don't have it up there. It's there. I'll read it for you. I thought I had it up there. The Great Commission. What did Jesus say? His famous last words. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. That's the reason we're still here. We're, the reason we're still here on planet Earth, the reason the church has not been raptured, the reason God has not come back, Jesus has not come back to get us, is because there's lost people in the world. How many of you know any lost people? You need to know more lost people. Well, I'll, I'll just hang around the... I, you know, I'm called to gather, but I don't know about that go. And listen, the reason we gather, the reason, the reason we grow, and the reason we give is because God has called us. We have been commissioned to go into the world around us. And all of us have a sphere of influence that God has placed us in. We have a responsibility to that sphere of influence to be a light in a dark place, to be a testimony of God's goodness and grace. To be a fisherman as Paul, pardon me, as Jesus said to Peter and his, his followers, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. With that in mind this morning, I want you to turn to two places. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. Luke 9 and Luke 10. Everyone say Luke 9 and Luke 10. These two passages, these two chapters have two major emphasis. The first one in Luke 9 is where, uh, the first six verses, is where Jesus takes his 12 disciples and he sends them out into the harvest field. Okay? Luke 10 is where Jesus develops uh, some teams, some ministry teams. He sent them out two by two and sent them into the harvest field. And there was, I think, 30 teams. The, we call it the sending of the 70. And so he, he chose people and he sent people and he sent them out into the harvest field and began to prepare them, if you will, for the purpose of God for their life. While he was still here, he gave them a little training union. He gave them a little uh, illustration and, and some import into their life to catch the call of God, to be able to handle and to be able to digest and be able to comprehend the great commission for all the church. And so I want to show you these two, and I want to give you some simple insights about the fact that we're called to go. Uh, uh, Luke 9, let me just read these six verses. Then he, that is Jesus, called his 12 disciples. He called his 12 disciples together. Everyone say together. And he gave them power and authority. Everyone say power and authority. Over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take neither for, take nothing for your journey, take no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not take tunic, uh, two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns 
preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now look over in Luke chapter 9. I may hit and uh, I may not read. The, it's really verse 1 through 20. Uh, it says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And he said, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. And here kind of the same insight. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Uh, basically what Jesus is saying, in this process, you, don't, you need to learn to trust me. Everybody say we've got to learn to trust him. Let's look down in verse... Nine and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Look down to verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Somebody say amen. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice before, because your names are written down in heaven. Now catch verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in his spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. I want to just pause right there and say, you want to make, how many won't make heaven happy? How many want heaven to be happy with you? Jesus, when he saw that the 70 had returned and that they had seen the power of God manifest through their life, he said, well, don't rejoice that the devils, you have authority, but rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. But then when he was all done, man, something on the inside of him just got all happy. They got it. How many of you love it when your kids finally get it? They got it. Woo, we're happy. Oh, they're learning. A little little Mabry's learning to walk. She's like, oh, look, she's got it. Woo, we're all happy. That's the way God is when he looks down from his habitation and he sees the church fulfilling her kingdom purpose of going into all the world and making disciples. We've been called to go. Everybody say, we've been called to go. In fact, right now, even before, I'm going to give you three thoughts here in just a moment. But let's stop right now and let's just pray. God, let us have a fresh and renewed commitment to go out into the world and win the loss. Let's pray that. Lord, right now, we pause and we thank you that we have a calling to go. We have a mandate to go. We have a commission to go. We've been commissioned by you, O God. Lord, to go into all the world and raise up people for your glory and, 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 and get people born again and filled with the Spirit and growing in Christ, Lord, and becoming reproduct, uh, people of uh, pro productivity in the kingdom. Lord, we thank you for that today. Lord, let us embrace and renew a fresh commitment in our heart to go and make disciples of all nations. And everybody said amen. Let me give you three thoughts about these two passages about the reality that we're called to go. The first one is, is this, and it's pretty clear. We've been called together. 
Look what he says in Luke chapter 9. If you go back there, verse 1, I love this. And when you look a little closer, it's, it's more than just, hey, come here, guys. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He it's healed the sick. It says he called them together. That word called means to, it's the Greek word where we get the word convoke. It's, you ever heard of this phrase, a holy convocation? Or a gathering together, a convocation. And what that is, is a convening together for a greater, more uh, corporate and more kingdom-minded purpose. And it says that he called his disciples together. He convened a meeting together. And it was for God's greater purpose where he convened them together. Listen, we all together as the church. It's not just the evangelist. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the Sunday school teacher. It's not just other people. God is calling us all together for his kingdom purpose to go into the world and make disciples. The great commission was not just for those in leadership in the church or people with a title, you know, and a name. Uh, It's for us. We need to embrace. Let me just tell you, we need to embrace the reality that God has convened us together, not just to sit soaking sour, but to do something dynamic for the kingdom of God. And go out into all the world. This summer we have opportunities uh, organized as well as unorganized and maybe disorganized opportunities for you to make a difference. This is why we're here. Look at your neighbor and say it's not about you. It really isn't. It's about those who have yet to name the name of Christ. And let me just say, there's more influence in you than you realize. You've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. How many are born again? How many born again believers we have here? Okay. You've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on the inside of you. And you need to understand and we need to realize that the Great Commission, the church must embrace the corporate calling that we have together. He rallied them together. He called them together. We're not here just to get our needs met. We're not here just to get a goose bump. In fact, I love what Pastor Ron says about the church. He says, the church is not a cruise ship for the saints. Some people think it is. In fact, they believe that about church. And in fact, they cruise here and they cruise there and they cruise this way and they cruise that way. And, 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 and really what they're, they're doing is they're, they're, they're eating the cream and they're, they're, they're sucking the fat off everywhere and just enjoying the goodness of the Lord everywhere they can, but not really connected and committed to their family of faith. And hey, it's not a cruise ship for the saints. It's a fishing vessel for sinners. That's why we've been convened. That's why we come together. That's why we encourage you on any given Sunday, any given Wednesday, to invite your friends and family who you know are lost, who you know are wavering, who who you know need help and they need hope in their hearts. Understand, we've been called together. No one can escape it. If you call yourself a Christian and and you and you escape the convening together, listen, we're better together. But understand something: we're under divine appointment from God to rally together, not just to sit soaking sour, but to be equipped for the work of ministry. Are you with me? Say amen. We're in the midst of a holy convocation. People have lost that. Listen, understand. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but people, the the enemy has undermined 
the reality that we've been called by God to come together for His greater corporate kingdom purpose, and that's called the Great Commission. We've been called together. Number two, what I see in these two sendings, the sending of the 12 and the sending of the 70, I see we've been empowered together. You see, he just didn't leave us to our own devices, but he empowered us. I love what Luke 9, 1 says. What does it say? He, it says he gave them power and authority over all demons and cure and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I'm telling you, we've been empowered together. He sent them out, but he didn't leave them without what they needed. He said, I gave them power and authority. Somebody say power and authority. Now, I've given this illustration a hundred times, but in case you've missed it, I'll give it again. You see, I've been here for a long time, and so people turn over, and I realize i got to repeat myself every once in a while. Power and authority, two Greek words. The first one is power, and the Greek word is dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Everybody say dynamite. It's supernatural, explosive power. How many of you know Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promised the disciples. He said, wait for the promise of the Father. And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive what? Power. Power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. Supernatural Holy Spirit power. Explosive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judean authority in the uttermost parts of the earth. Hey, we've been empowered together. I love the first century church. They all came together. They were in one place praying and seeking God and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were empowered. This first uh, 12, he brought them together and he gave them power. How many of you know we've got power? Woo, somebody say power. And then authority. That's the Greek word, Greek word exousia. It means, it means the authority that we are representing as one would represent a higher power. The picture is the police officer. How many know the police officer has a badge? What does that badge give him? Authority. He has authority over you. If he stops you for breaking the law, Speeding, running a stop sign, he has the exousia, the authority to do so. How many of you know God, when we are sent by God as his ambassadors, we have his authority. But then he's also, here's the police officer, he not only has his badge, but, and, and the, don't think of Barney Fife because Barney Fife had the gun, but he only had one bullet and it was in a pocket. The police officer has the badge, which represents his authority, but he also has his pistol, which represents his power. Are you with me? And Jesus got his disciples and he gave them the authority and then he gave them the power to back up his authority. Now, let me show you this. Look at this. He gave them power and authority, number one, over the devil. Somebody say amen. We have authority over the devil. One of the first things people need to learn as believers is that the devil is not in charge anymore. I got two people believe that. Uh, uh, time out, time out. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm, time out, push the pause. I'm going to give you a chance to get in gear here. Some of you are disengaged. You're already thinking about Father, Father's Day. Here we go. Let me, one of the first things new believers need to learn. As a new believer, 
and as one who's been commissioned to go out into all the world and make disciples, is that God has given us power and authority over the devil. He's under our feet. But what we see in today's culture is, and even in the church, that the devil runs over people and, 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 and defeats them and beats them up and throws them down and abuses them. And they come crawling back into the church. Oh, pray for me, pastor. Pray for me, pastor. Oh, I need help. I'll pray for you. But here's what I'm going to pray. That you would get up and take authority over the devil for yourself and learn to cast the devil out of your family, out of your brain, out of your business, out of your finances. Devil you have no authority over me. I've been deputized. I've been authorized. I have supernatural power. Now get out of my life. Get out of my family. Get out of my brain. You're a defeated foe in Jesus' name. What, what did the 70 came back? They came back. I wish I had an organ player going. They came back and they, oh, Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah! Jesus! Even the demons were subject to us. They were submitted to us in your name. Woo! Glory to God! The devil had to get out and get God. I'm telling you, when you see the devil get out, you get happy. Woo! Oh, I got all worked up over that one. I remember the story of Smith Wigglesworth. If you don't know who Smith Wigglesworth is, everybody say Smith Wigglesworth. I think he was an 18th century preacher and prophet and apostle. You can Google him. But the story goes one day, Smith Wigglesworth, he lived in a two-story house, and he woke up in the night and he heard rummaging and noises down in the second floor. And he thought, what in the world? And he walked down the stairs, and there manifest in his living room was a manifestation of demonic presence. In, a, in his living room. Smith Wigglesworth looked at this demonic presence and said, oh, it's only you. And turned off the light and went back to bed and went fast asleep. Why was he able to do such a thing? Because he understood the authority he had over the devil. You see, the devil comes, the Bible says, to steal, to kill and destroy. Listen, understand something. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil's been denying and discouraging and defeating God's people for 2,000 plus years. And it's time, hey, we need to be like, we need the Papa anointing. Some of you are going, uh-oh, Mabel, we better get out of here. He's talking about Popeye. Popeye said, I've had all I can stand, and I can't stand some more. Some of you had not got there yet, but I, I love it when people get there. They get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Run over and roughshod by every... Hey, listen, I read it to you. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. He's going to deliver me. I love that. I just saw that this morning when I read through that. He brings us out of bondage and puts us into prosperity. I'll claim that one in Jesus' name. 
We have authority over the devil. Oh, I love the next part. He gave them not only, we've been called together, we've been empowered together. He, he gave them power and authority over the devil and he gave them power and authority over disease. He sent them out and he said, cure diseases. Listen, there's a lot of diseases in the world. Not only physical diseases, but spiritual diseases. There's more people, more of God's people who struggle with emotional issues and mental issues and relational issues. There, there is a disease society. The enemy has infected us and diseased us, not just with physical disease, but with, with all kinds of internal emotional dis-ease. And Jesus gave the church. He gave us. It says he gave them. Somebody say he gave it. He just get, you don't earn this. You just receive this. Are you with me? I thought you had to go to Bible school. Well, hey, these disciples were going to the school of discipleship, following Jesus. You follow Jesus, and he'll begin to give you things. He gave them authority over disease, to heal diseases. And listen, I want to tell you something. How many of you got some people that are troubled in your world? You got some diseased people in your world, in your family? Don't point to the one next to you. That ain't nice. Listen, you have authority and power to bring health and healing to their life. You say, how do you do it? You just, you're, you have the, you're not the healer, but the healer lives on the inside of you and the healer has given you authority. He said, go out and heal some people, heal them physically, heal them spiritually. I'm telling you that we need to realize we have an anointing upon us to bring healing to the hurting people of our world. The world is, is jacked up, man. I'm telling you, the world that needs healing, the church needs healing. We got all kind of classes, all kind of instruction manuals. You go down to the bookstore. There's a whole section on how to get over your problems. Let me tell you, a good way to get over your problems is become a healing to somebody else's problem. It's not about me. I'm not going to, I'm going to quit crying and complaining and moaning and groaning and I'm going to get up and I'm going to be an ambassador of health and healing to a world that is lost that need. You want to get somebody saved, you pray over them and you get them supernaturally healed and they'll start believing in Jesus. Are you with me? He gave them power and authority over the devil. He gave them power and authority over disease. And he gave them power and authority to declare the word of God. He said, you go and you preach the kingdom. You preach the kingdom. You preach the kingdom. You preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love what uh, Luke 9 says in verse 6. And they went out to every town and they preached the gospel. Let me pause right here. It's called the good news. And the gospel, which is Jesus died for our sin, paid a price for our sin so we could be forgiven. 
And God and man, Father God, can come back into relationship with man and, and redeem us out of our sin, redeem us out of our trouble, redeem us out of our sorrow, and cause us to know that we know that we belong to Him and that we're on our way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. That's the gospel, and it still has power today. In fact, listen, even in this room right here, if you have no security in your eternity, you need to know that Jesus died for your sin, that He paid a price for your sin. See, we're all sinners. The Bible Bible says we're all natural born sinners. We're sinners and we're because of sin, we're separated from God. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. He paid for us with his own blood and redeemed us and bought us with his blood so we could be his children all over again. All we have to do is believe. It says if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him as the Lord and the leader of your life, you will be saved. Somebody say amen. It's the gospel of God. And it has power. Listen, you want to get to the chase with your friends and family and those around you who are lost, you share the gospel because the gospel has authority. The gospel has power. It's the power of God. Oh, come on now, I'm preaching to myself here today. I don't know about you, but listen, the Bible says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If you care about people, you'll share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we have power over the devil. We have power over disease and we have power to declare. We've been called together. We've been empowered together. One time years ago in Quitman, I was doing something, had a meeting in the house and somebody called. Pastor, you got to come over right now. I said, well, that'll be a little bit of a problem because I'm having a meeting at the house, a leadership or something. No, you got to come right now. I said, why do I need to come right now? Because I've got a guy in my, in my living room right here and he says he, he wants to kill himself. You got to come right now. You know what they were, really, here's pastor's interpretation. Pastor, I don't have a clue. Pastor, I wasn't listening when you were preaching. Pastor, I don't know I have authority over the devil. Pastor, I have insecurity about my relationship with God. Pastor, I have no knowledge of what the Bible says. Therefore, Pastor, I'm an ineffective minister and I have no capacity to help my friend. That's pathetic. I said to them, as I said, I'm having a meeting right now. You have authority over the devil. You have authority over these things. Now take your authority in Christ and look that guy in the eye and rebuke the devil off his life. Will you do that? I said, will you do that? Yes, sir, I will. Have a good day. You say, Pastor, that's rude. No, that's truth. Because you have the same authority I have. We have the same authority. We just don't realize it. We don't realize we have authority over the devil. And you know the end of that story? That guy didn't kill himself. I don't know what happened in his living room, but he's okay today. Somebody say amen. Hey, we've been empowered together. We've been called together. We've been empowered together. A power and authority to declare. And when you declare the gospel. Oh, and the greatest illustration is Peter. I love Peter. Peter, oh man, that guy. He's my hero. He was just an old stinky fisherman, you see. A cussing mouth stinky fisherman. That's what he was. In fact, 
his cussing got back on him in a time of, he, 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 he wasn't completely redeemed and he had some issues. But God took him and restored him and helped him and healed him, made him whole. And on Pentecost Sunday, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he gets up and preaches the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't water it down. He doesn't tiptoe around the tulips. He doesn't make it, you know, palatable. To He said, this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead. I'm talking about he boldly declared the gospel. And the Bible says thousands and thousands of people were born again because one old stinky cussing mouth fisherman got a hold of the authority of God and realized he'd been deputized and authorized and empowered by God, not only to rebuke the devil and heal people of their sickness, but declare the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And when it happens, people will be born again. Don't get sidetracked with some other issue. Listen to me. It's the gospel. Somebody say it's the gospel. Don't get all tangled up in some side thought. Or, listen, you stay true to the gospel. It never changes. It will never change. In fact, the word of God is forever the same. It will never change. God's word is true and righteous altogether. And his word has authority over every demon, devil, and hell. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say we're empowered together. Number three. We've been sent together. Everybody say sent. Luke 9, 2 says he sent them to preach. Interesting word, sent. It's the Greek word apostello. It's where we get the word apostle. The word apostle basically means sent one. The one that has been sent for a specific purpose and a specific, specific reason. One that has been set apart for a specific purpose and a specific reason. And he sent them. They were sent ones. Understand something. We've been sent by God as his church. We've been deputized and authorized and set apart for his purpose. Not for our purpose, for his purpose. Uh, the old spiritual law, Bill Bright, who's now in heaven, he wrote it years ago and it was spread all over there. The first spiritual law, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan is that God would use you. You've been sent into a world to win this world to Jesus Christ, to share the gospel of God and make a difference in the world. There's more influence in you than you realize. His name is Jesus. We've been sent. And then if you go to Luke 10, you'll discover it says, in fact, look at Luke 10 verse 2. Then he said to them, that is the 70. It says he sent them two by two in verse 1. And then it says the harvest, he said the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Somebody say send out laborers. This word is a little different. The word send out laborers here, it, it really means to eject. Somebody say to eject. Now, I had a lot of mental pictures here. Robert, the mental picture I had which we talked about is I said, there's no ejection seat in a helicopter, right? That kind of bugged me a little bit, but I realized you don't want to eject into helicopter blades. It'd be bad for your 
haircut. But you've seen the pictures. You know the ejection seat. When something goes wrong, you've been ejected. Now, listen, there's a good connotation and a bad connotation. Here's what. Hey, how many of you know when you're just a laborer, you don't really have a lot of choices? Are you with me? He said, pray that the Lord would send out, eject forcefully and dynamically laborers into the harvest field. It's just a picture of, whew, this is serious. I'm, I'm leaving the comfort zone. How many of you know for a pilot, inside the plane is the comfort zone? You get the picture. Outside the plane, when you're at 20,000 feet, is not a comfort zone. Are you with me? Get them out of their comfort zone and out where I want them so they can win people to Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm praying that God, whoo, I'm going to pray this for me. I'm going to pray it for you, that God would force you out into the harvest field. As a laborer into the harvest field, it's time. It's The harvest is white under harvest. It's ready. Um, we're praying for God to send laborers. There's few. God, eject them. Force them out of their comfort zone into the place that you have for them. That's what he did with the first century church because they got so comfortable so quick. They're in Jerusalem. But the plan was not only to stay in Jerusalem, but go to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God had to cause pressure to come to eject them out into the world around them. Are you with me? Say amen. So with that in mind, folks, listen. We are ambassadors. We've been called together, empowered together, and sent together. Therefore, we are ambassadors together. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 7. It says this, Now we are ambassadors for Christ. And we would, in the purpose of being ambassadors for Christ, that we would look to a lost world. And it basically says that we would look to a lost world and we would implore them and be beseech them and request them to be reconciled to God. And so we're ambassadors as those who have been sent, those who have been empowered, and those who have been called together. We're ambassadors of the harvest. God put the harvest into our, into our hands. He said, I'm sending you out because the harvest is great, but the laborers are few, and I'm going to send you out. We're ambassadors of harvest. You need to understand that God has harvest on His mind. He has people on His mind. He has lost people on His mind. If you're burdened by someone today, understand and know this, that God is more burdened than you ever could be. If you're not burdened for the lost today, if the harvest is not on your mind, understand something. God wants to radically transform the way you think about why you're here and what the church is all about. You see, God didn't say, go into all the world and make people happy and have little home groups of Christians who sit around and rub each other's feet and encourage each other just to be good Christians and love the Lord for all out with until Jesus comes back. No, that was not a part. In fact, let me just tell you that when, when they, when the church was born, it was born into adversity. And listen, that's why he called us laborers. Because it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Oh, Pastor, the harvest. We're ambassadors of harvest. 
He said, the harvest. It's about the harvest. The reason we gather and the reason we grow and the reason we give is because of our need to go and reap the harvest. We're ambassadors of harvest. What I, what I see about this too is we're ambassadors of healing. He said, heal the sick. You've been deputized and authorized to go preach the gospel and reap the harvest and bring healing to people who are, who, who are emotionally, physically, spiritually infirmed in life. And you've got the healer on the inside of you. We're ambassadors of harvest. We're ambassadors of healing and we're ambassadors of hope. How many of you know the gospel is good news? It brings hope. You see, people are lost. In fact, Paul described us all in Ephesians 2. He said, you were once strangers of the covenant of promise and were without hope in this world. You see, without Jesus, we have no hope. This world without Christ has no hope. The only way people can be born again is through Jesus. You can't get to God except through Jesus. We have the pathway to being right with God and getting to heaven. It's the hope of heaven. He said, you bring, you preach to them and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. The government of God has come near you. You know what they said about Jesus, what heaven said about Jesus. His name shall be called Emmanuel. That is God with us. That's a message of hope. We have a message of healing. We have a message of hope. We're ambassadors of the harvest. We're ambassadors of healing. And we're ambassadors of hope. That's why we're here. Why? Because the harvest truly is great. But the laborers are few. The harvest is greater than ever, but the laborers are few. That's why we're here today. We've been called to gather. We've been called to grow. We've been called to give. And we've been called to go. Why? Because the harvest is truly great. Now their response, their righteous response. I love verse 6 in chapter 9. When he authorized them and deputized them and empowered them and called them and sent them. It says, so they departed And went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. You see, now catch this. What had they been doing up to that point? Following Jesus. That's right. But in Luke 9, he said, now, I'm sending you. And they left Jesus. They went out into the towns and they preached the gospel. And they realized something. Even though Jesus is not with us, he's with us. Because we've been authorized and deputized and empowered with power over the devil, with power over disease, with power to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news. It's it's the power of God and the salvation, Paul said in Romans 1. I love the name. I already told you, Luke 10. They returned rejoicing that even the demons were subject to them in the name of the Lord. In other words, when Jesus sent them out, when He ejected them out into the world as, as little lambs in the midst of wolves, for goodness, oh my goodness, 
Church, we need to get over this. Oh, it's a terrible world out there. Oh, you got to be careful out there. There's, there's, there's lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. He said, I'm sending you out in the middle of a bunch of wolves. But guess what? Just like I, I've authorized you and deputized you and empowered you. In fact, what did he say in the Great Commission? He said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want all the fathers to come stand with me in this altar. Come on, fathers, quickly. Come on up here, fathers. Gather around right in here. Don't spread out like you. We're better together. There you go. It's funny how some people come to the altar. I don't want to touch anybody. I may have cooties. Give me a high five. Give, it, give a high five. Come on. Somebody give each other a high five. There's some fathers in the house. Come in here, fathers. Come in here, father. Woo. Now I want everybody else to stand up and lift your hands toward these fathers. God, in fact, fathers, lift your hands up. You have been authorized and deputized. You're some of the most important people on planet Earth. You need to realize that. You're important to God. You're important because God has given you children to raise. And then those children will have children. And as I am now a grandparent to help in the process of equipping and empowering, you're you're important people. You see, all God ever wanted to be was a father. And he looks at us as fathers with great care and concern. Now I know in this room as these fathers are lifting their hands and Many of them have been scarred and beat up and maybe have what I call daddy issues. But we can't let those things hang us up. We've got a, we got a job to do, guys. And it's not just to get our kids out of the house without hurting themselves. It's about raising up men and women of God to go into all the world and to be in a righteous example of what it's going to take for this world to get on track. Lord, we lift up our fathers. Come on, I want everybody to lift them up right now. Lord, we lift up our fathers today. And God, we pray, Lord, that they would have a renewed commitment to gather together in the house of God. Wherever their level of commitment is, I pray it would be heightened and it would be increased in the, in the concern and the commitment of God in this last hour, Lord, would not to be to forsake the assembling of, the, of, uh, of ourselves together, but Lord, to come together in greater measure than ever before and connect and grow together. Lord, let their commitment to spiritual maturity, let them be committed to grow spiritually and not just sit soaking sour, but Lord, to engage themselves in a spiritual growth process to read the word study the word meditate on the word memorize the word come to church hear the word being preached and then go out into the world and share the word God give them a renewed commitment to not only gather together and grow together but give together Lord you said as I read Psalm 68, Lord Jesus, that you will deliver us and bring us into prosperity. I pray over every father here today that you would bring them out of anything that has them bound. Is anybody praying with me? 
Come on. You would bring them out of anything that has them bound and bring them into prosperity. I want you men here in this altar say, Lord, deliver me and bring me into prosperity. Deliver me, Lord, from anything that holds me back and bring me into prosperity for you're a father to the fatherless and you set the solitary in families and we thank you for it today. We bless these fathers. Now I want all the men, I want every man to gather with these men. Come on, men, more men. If you're not a father, come on. Come on, the rest of the men. Now I want all the ladies to lift your hand towards these men right now. Because these are, these are our leaders. And let me tell you something, guys. We follow Jesus, but we lead our families. We follow Jesus, but we lead our friends where they need to go. We're called to go. And I'm going to pray for every man here today that you would be burdened for lost people like never before. You would be, you would be, you would embrace the call to go into a world and make a difference. You're the light of the world. God's looking to you. You say, well, I'm not ready. Do you think they were ready? But he said, I'm going to make you ready. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you power. Let's all lift our hands, men. Lord, I pray for these men right now. I pray, God, not just for fathers, but for men, that you would raise them up. Lord God, we are, in, as a church family, we are in a, in a defining moment. And I pray every man would realize that a defining moment requires men of God to step up to the plate and gather their families together in the house of God and to grow spiritually and cause their families to grow spiritually and to gather together and give of the resources and give of their time and give of our energy and give of our talents, Lord. God, let these men lead the way, Lord, in, in growing. Let them lead the way in giving. Let them lead the way in gathering together. Let men of God rise up and say, today, I'm going to serve the Lord. Today, I'm going to go to the house of God. And Lord, let this generation of men rise to the call of going and making disciples of all nations, Lord. We know if we go, others will follow. Our children will follow. Our wives will follow. Our families will follow. Our friends will follow. Lord, let us be fishers of men today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give God the Father a big hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, fathers, I don't have any little token. I don't have a little gift for you, but I have a commission for you. That is go out into the world and make a big difference. Not just in your family and the world around you. You got more influence in you than you realize. You got the gospel on the inside of you. Now let's let our light shine and be men of God. Amen. Woo, God bless you. Give these men a big hand. Let them know you love them today. God bless you guys. Hallelujah.